Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I hope you are having a wonderful week wherever you're listening to Wellness and Wanderlust. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for being a part of this community. The year is flying by, but I finally managed to get around and update my annual birthday bucket list on the blog. So for those of you who are new to Wellness and Wanderlust, every year on my birthday, I come up with a list of fun things I want to do in the next year. Mostly cool things to do locally in Central Florida, but sometimes I will include other goals as well. So it has been a month since my birthday, but I finally posted my list for 2021 to 2022, and it has given me a newfound sense of joy and excitement for the year ahead. I've linked it in the show notes, so feel free to check out my bucket list if you're interested, and I highly encourage you, if this is not something that you do already, to consider creating one of your own. I really think that this is a great way to just inject, again, like a little more joy into your life to, to really prioritize those fun things that you've always wanted to do. So again, that is in the show notes. Feel free to check it out. Today's topic is one that is going to resonate with so many of you. Our guest this week is Heather Odendahl, the co-founder of W North, which is a global organization dedicated to women's leadership development. As we all know, COVID has had a major impact on our workforce, especially for women. And Heather and I talk about some of the challenges women have faced as we adjust to this new landscape. So in our conversation, we discuss the power of community when working toward our career goals, how to leverage technology to find more balance in our working lives, negotiation techniques, and important skills that will help us stand out as we work toward that next promotion. It's a really timely conversation, especially in this age of the great resignation, as they're currently calling it. And I took away a lot of really great tips for making the most out of my workday. I know you're going to love this one. So without further ado, let's hear from Heather Odendahl. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust today. Thanks, Valerie. I'm really excited to be here today and uh, really chat all things professional and wellness at the same time. Well, that's fantastic. Two of definitely of my passions. And I'd love to know for our listeners who don't know you, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself and about your career journey? Yeah. So I am the co-founder and CEO of an organization called W North. And I also have an event planning company called Bluebird Strategy. And I founded W North seven years ago when I was working for a Fortune 500 company um, in a sales capacity, I was looking for a community of like-minded, driven, ambitious, mid-management level leaders in, in, in kind of a conference setting or a community. And when I simply couldn't find it, I created our first W North conference, which later evolved into a larger community. And here I am today. Well, that's fantastic. And I absolutely love women's leadership organizations. I think they really do add value for our careers. I've personally benefited from being a part of them. I'd love to know a little more about W North and what you all offer and how it's evolved over the years. Yeah. So we started our first conference in 2015 in Whistler, British Columbia, Canada. And the reason I picked Whistler initially, not just because that was where I was living, um, but because it was an international um, destination. And I really wanted to bring together women from specifically from across North America. I feel like in women's leadership, many of our networks are very tied location-based. So like you're from Toronto and they're, you know, everybody in that particular network is from Toronto. And so, you know, as some women and during the pandemic, many women moved from city to city. I wanted to create a more North America wide community. And so I, I picked Whistler with intention and I had an event planning background. So um, it was kind of a natural progression that the first foray into this would be um, a conference. And, you know, we hosted an annual event for many years. And then one year, 
a lot of the women who had been coming back year after year from across, you know, Canada and the U.S. had sort of put their their hand out and they reached out and they said, you know, this is great, Heather, but I really want to be connected with women like this year round. So it was actually uh, in 2017 that we started doing these pop-up W North Connect dinners. So we hosted small curated dinners of 24 people in uh, 10 cities and we had guest speakers and we did them. We, that's where we kind of started building this community. And uh, we, in 2018, we started the global membership. So this was a way that we would connect these women throughout the year through online virtual learning um, as well as in-person events. And that was in 2018. And we were doing Zoom workshops and Zoom connections two years before the global pandemic hit. So that was, uh, that served us well, which I think we'll get into in a little bit. But um, right now we offer leadership courses. We have leadership mastermind programs. We have wellness and professional workshops, and we do now are starting to re, um, re-emerge into in-person events and member meetings. That's fantastic, and I think it's so cool that you were ahead of your time with the with the virtual with the hybrid because, you know, that was such a pivot. I think for so many organizations not having those capabilities before, but. I think that makes your services just all the more accessible too. Definitely. And, you know, what? one of the things that was important for me um, when we started the membership in 2018 and one of the reasons why we, we had begun the virtual events is when I was working for that Fortune 500 company, I was a remote employee. And that meant that I was slightly disconnected from a major city center And so I always felt that I was missing out on some of these professional development opportunities and these points of connection as a remote employee. So for me, it was important to not only have events in cities, but also have this virtual access. So if you were a remote employee outside of one of the major hubs, you had um, the opportunity to connect in with a group of dynamic women. I think that's fantastic. I know that during the pandemic, so many people moved out of cities as well because they were remote and it's more affordable maybe to live outside of those cities. So to still have those opportunities available, I think is absolutely fantastic. And I'd love to know, you already had, of course, the virtual capabilities, but how all did you pivot during the pandemic? Yeah. So we were predominantly an events-based business um, before the, the pandemic hit, we were hosting 50 in-person events per year mm-hmm. and in an, an annual conference in April. So in March 2020, we were five weeks away from our annual conference, which had over 200 people coming from across North America, flying into Canada and Whistler that were booked and ready to go. So it was a big shift. We obviously had our online capabilities, but we also had a major conference. So we definitely had to move quickly. And what we ended up doing was um, obviously we, we shifted into a virtual space, which we couldn't do right away. So we postponed it till October. But what that did was that allowed us the opportunity to build out what that program looks like. So I'm so proud of our team and what we were able to accomplish in our virtual summit. We created a brand new leadership 360 course uh, with six uh, experts from negotiation to conflict resolution to digital upskilling. We created this course and we gave it to our attendees as a part of their fee. And we did an experience box with 24 female-founded companies um, from our community that was shipped to everyone's door with a branded W North bottle of wine. And, you know, and then we executed on a a virtual summit, which had over 30 speakers from all over the world, which was actually in, in in a way, it was such a blessing because 
we added more speakers to our lineup. We incorporated our sponsored um, our sponsored woman from One Girl Can who lives in Kenya, who we support her university uh, education um, in computer science. And we had done for three years. And it had been a dream of mine to bring her to the conference and have her experience what it is that we do in Whistler and have an opportunity to meet some of the women that are coming to the conference and essentially funding her university education. And although we couldn't do that, we brought her into the virtual space. So in many ways, there were so many good things about being able to go virtual. That's absolutely incredible. And to be able to pull all of that together and have still that really incredible experience, because I think too, when you attend those conferences, while the professional development is wonderful, and that's oftentimes, you know, the reason, of course, that we attend these, I mean, the conversations that you have, the people you meet, and the experience of it is just as important, I think. And I I love the experience boxes. I think that's such a great way to still feel, you know, like a part of it and to feel that you're together and you're still having this shared experience. Um, And then to be able to provide that experience for her as well. So still making that impact in in a different space. So I think that's so incredible. We've been talking a little bit about community. And I think community is something that many of us have really struggled with not having quite as much of during the pandemic or, you know, not seeing people necessarily in person, but it sounds like W North has provided some of that. Can you talk to me a little bit about community and how it ties into our career paths and also into our wellness? Because I think it really does both. Definitely. Well, when I think about one of the strengths of community, I think about this idea of accountability. So when it comes to our career and achieving our goals in our career, but also our wellness goals, I think community is so fundamental in terms of building that accountability. And as an example, one of the programs that we run is a, lead, a leadership mastermind program. And that is a program that's, that is included within our mastermind membership And those women, they connect with five other members as well as the facilitator coach. And what's really powerful about that kind of relationship is the accountability piece. And this idea of I'm going to commit to making some changes in my life. And there are people on the other end that will follow up with you and that will Mm. hold you accountable to your goals. And that's where, you know, I think that is important in life business and in wellness. I think that accountability is huge. I definitely am someone who thrives on that accountability myself. I really need the outer, I hate to say pressure, but sometimes to go toward my goals and to put myself first, I often need to have people to kind of follow up with me and and for me to follow up with as well. I think that there is so much value in that. How did the community really evolved during the pandemic? Because I think I'm, I'm sure there had to be such a need for it at that time. Definitely. Yeah. And it was, it was crazy timing because we were in the middle of relaunching onto a new platform in April, 2020. It was all lined up to be part of the conference and we got thrust into this pandemic. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, we postponed our main conference But what we ended up doing was I had postponed the main conference, but I started looking around and I started, we were two weeks in at this point and I started seeing what was happening. You know, women were um, thrust into homeschooling their children and women and men, parents in general. Um, We had a lot of our support structures fall away. We had, you know, any of those, you know, nice to have like, having someone clean your house or having some support from your parents or grandparents with your kids, all of these things started to, to change. And so what uh, about a week after I can't, I postponed our main conference, I said, we're doing another conference right now. And in seven days, I put together the agenda for our first uh, W North pivot conference, which was a free online conference that we did in mid-April. And we 
we launched the uh, the membership at that time and tripled the size of our membership with uh, just women wanting to have some some sort of uh, outlet and some place to meet and connect with other women and share the experiences that they were having through this whole process. So that was, you know, in a, in a lot of ways for the year previous, we had had this online community and I'll be I'll be completely honest with you. I took a lot of inspiration for the online community and the and the virtual events from entrepreneurs and entrepreneur-based organizations, but there weren't a lot of women participating who were from a corporate background. And the adoption in 2019 to virtual events and virtual networking events from a, from a woman who was working in corporate versus an entrepreneur is a little bit slow. And so we had, you know, we had struggled to create the engagement pre-pandemic. Uh, people were just like, we just want to meet in person. So when the pandemic hit, in a way that was that was the push that we needed in terms of um, adopting this idea of it is possible to make new connections online. It is possible to attend attend a conference and an event virtually. And so I think in a lot of ways, the, the pandemic shifted how we, how we did business, but it, it also shaped a new base of membership for us and a new base of uh, community that was built out of it. So yeah, it definitely was a, it was a huge change, but in a way, a really big strength for us. That's really cool. And I didn't even think about that with corporate America, but it's so true that even in my own organization, as many events that we were attending were transitioning to the virtual, a lot of times our senior leadership would say, well, what's the value in meeting virtually? These, you know, they, they didn't fully understand. And so it was, I think, a little bit harder to embrace in the beginning. But once you realize that you can still connect with people in what I considered, and I think many, to be a very lonely time mm-hmm. and a very difficult time, being able to still connect with people, still have access to really great resources. And as much as I miss the travel, you know, not have necessarily a commute or something kind of holding you back from going, you have that access. If maybe it was difficult to attend before or to make it fit into the schedule, now there was that opportunity. I think it was something that definitely shifted for those in corporate, myself included. So that's a really great point. Kind of speaking of the pandemic, I think it's had such a major impact on women's careers, especially careers for everybody. But, um, you know, we're seeing the impacts on women today. Can you Talk to me a little bit about that and, you know, what you're seeing within the community as well. Yeah, no. And one of the things that, you know, we hear a lot about is these, is the external pulls that women in the workforce felt with regards to the domestic work, the homeschooling, the caregiving. And that's certainly a contributing factor. But one of the things that I um, like to draw attention to, and I was extremely interested to hear of this statistic. So, in according to a survey from Indeed, 65% of women who downshifted their careers in the past year said that their team scheduled decision-making meetings that they were not able to attend. Wow. And 40% of them made hiring decisions without them. And 33% made strategic decisions that impacted their work without any of their input. And so... Those are some of the things that we aren't talking about, which are it's an erosion of their of their importance in the in the organization. And that was a contributing factor as well. So that was, I mean, some of those reasons that they may not have been able to make the meeting or you know had it were related to some of those issues that I said earlier. But I think fundamentally, you know, that that lack of inclusion, you know, scheduling meetings at school drop, like school drop off, maybe more so in the last few months when we Mm -hmm. started to open schools again, Um, making those shifts and making those changes that excluded women, that excluded minorities, that excluded the people who may not have the same support structures. That was a 
that was a big impact that I don't know that enough people are talking about. And I'm a, I'm a big advocate for uh, in this, you know, at this fall of 2021, I really want to see organizations shift the traditional ways that they do business and look at and acknowledge that we're just, we're coming back into this, let's say we're going back to work in quotations and we were busy and burnt out before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we are going back to a time where we have social activities. We have work travel, we have events, we have um, after school activities for children, but also for ourselves, you know, going to play squash, going to do, do all the things that we've been missing for so long mm-hmm. that that will take time out of our schedule again. And I, I, I'm worried that six months from now, we are, we, we think we've been talking about burnout, mm-hmm. but we are going to be talking at a different level about burnout. So I have been saying organizations need to be prepared for a reduction in productivity. It's happening. It's going to happen. And there, there's a statistic out there, 77% of people say that they were more productive during the pandemic. Well, of course they were. We're going to have to acknowledge and recognize that we're going to see a, a downshift in productivity. Our organizations are probably not going to like to hear that. But it is true and it's it's coming. I think that's really important to hear though too because you're right, being at home, I was able to get a lot more done just not having the same types of distractions that I might have in an office setting, even just the typical, you know, somebody dropping by your desk to chat about something and having the little things that pop up throughout the day, I was able to power through something and maybe half the time, you know, some of the time. And I'm certainly starting to feel that burnout just being back in the office while I like having some structure to my day again, you know, trying to operate at the same pace just isn't sustainable. So I think that's important for organizations to be prepared and to even to accept that, hey, it's not going to be the same as it was then. What are what are some ways we can advocate for ourselves in this situation? Because I've also, unfortunately, for, for me personally, I don't have children, so I wasn't affected in that way. But I did see women who certainly were excluded from major conversations because they needed to, you know, it was their day to pick up the kids. Yeah. So I think when it comes to advocating for yourself or advocating for a team that you maybe manage, I I think that we need to relook at our communication strategies, how we talking and communicating to one another is every meeting that we have on our calendar 100% necessary? And is that type of meeting the most effective way to achieve the work? I mean, it's no surprise when I hear people talk about, you know, how they have so many meetings that they don't have time to get any work done. And I think there were more meetings in, in some organizations that were added to the agenda mm-hmm. because of this lack of trust. If I don't see them on the screen, how can I be um, confident that they're doing their job? So I think it's about reevaluating and taking a step back and looking at the entire the entire week and the entire communication strategy. One of the, the techniques that um, I've used with my team, now to put it into perspective, I only just this month got five days a week daycare for my two and a half year olds. And so I've had her at home for three days a week for the last, well, pretty much for the last year and a half. So I've had to be very ruthless about my time and my time management. And sometimes I really didn't have the time to meet with my team during the day because I be, I could take a quick call here and there, but I was, I was entertaining my my two-year-old. So I used a software called Loom a lot, which is a video recording software that allows you to also do navigation on a screen. So when I was onboarding a number of new employees and we were teaching them seven different softwares of which they've never used before, and I had been using and understood them intimately, I used that technology 
to, and I recorded at like nine or 10 o'clock at night to show them how to set things up because I just couldn't get a time on the calendar that would work for both our schedules. So I think, and that's, you know, that's kind of what they call asynchronous communication where you are able to communicate with your team. And it's used a lot in technology when you've got someone in Sydney and someone in London and they just can't meet up on the, the times. So I think from an organization perspective, it's rethinking communication strategy and do you need every meeting? I would love to ask some some of the people I know about that myself because um, I certainly have seen the, the meetings piling up being back. But even in the pandemic, I think because you're right, so often there was that lack of trust, not necessarily in my own department, but you see it across the board with pretty much every organization that there are some managers that believe that because you're home you and you're not being watched 24-7, that maybe you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I love the asynchronous communication because right now, unfortunately, even though things are Shifting back to normal, um, for me being in the state of Florida, our numbers are rising. And so for some, the offices are still, you know, you're still working in person. We're not back to remote work. But maybe some of the daycares, some of the schools, some of the daycares may have shut down. You may not have some of the same resources that we were starting to have again. And, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of businesses are not keeping up with that. But to really normalize that we maybe don't have to do everything right in the moment mm-hmm. and in real time. I, I think that's so important. One of our members just, I'm actually leading um, a mastermind group right now on energetic time management for working mothers. And the one of our participants talked about her split shift. So she is uh, working kind of the morning shift um, until about 2.30 until her, her son gets home from school And then she's doing like the late shift. So like the post bed, like the seven o'clock to 11 o'clock. And for her and her, you know, she's figured out something that works with her team. And that's, that is normalized in her department and that everybody is aware of. And she can, um, you know, they, they schedule meetings with her around that schedule. So I think that's an example of how we can support Um, And that doesn't have to just be parents. You know, there are a number of other um, factors that might mean that your schedule looks a little bit different than somebody else's. I I think that's a really great tip too, just to be, you know, looking a little more creatively sometimes at our schedules and where it's going to work and sometimes where your attention isn't going to be totally split because if she did work that nine to five, then even if her child were to get home from school on their own, there still is that distraction and, of course, the draw to want to pay attention to your child that you love. And so what you might not really be getting a whole lot done during the workday anyway at that point. So to really be flexible with those hours and for organizations to really to normalize that, because I, I don't think that nine to five or eight to five or any of that, I think it works for many, but it just, it certainly is not one size fits all for, especially during a pandemic Exactly. I totally agree. So talk to me about, you know, as a working mother running both W North and your own events company as well, talk to me about that balance with a busy career and still making time for yourself and for the kids. Yeah. So I, as I was just mentioning, I am teaching this course right now, Energetic Time Management for Working Moms. And it has, you know, has been a really great discovery uh, and and bringing up to the surface some of the the practices that I've had to instill and create out of almost a, you know a, from a desperate place because of the the childcare issue that I mentioned with regards to my two year old being around more and it's been been amazing to share some of those best practices and so one of the things that I uh, I have been doing is obviously we have so many different ways that we can spend our energy we've got our our family, our relationship with our our partner, our um, kids, you know, we've got to deal with money and our wellness, all of those things. So what I have been trying to do is I've been doing kind of like a days of the week method, because one of the things I realized is all my days were just blending into one. Um, Mm. You work in the same place that you 
that you do everything. And I had to just start to section off parts of my week. So I have implemented, you know, really trying to make Sunday my sacred family day. I will sometimes take, because I'm in events and I have clients that need to work to meet sometimes on Saturdays, I will sometimes dip into that. But Sunday is my sacred family day. And so that's one boundary that I've created for myself. Another thing that as a, as a busy entrepreneur, it's trying to scale money is a big, you know, needs to be a big focus. And so I have money Mondays. So money Mondays are everything to do with money. So anything to do with invoicing, to do with uh, generating sales, to things even personally that, um, that are, you know, like making sure you pay that credit card bill and making sure you, whatever it relates to spending or getting money in. And actually so many of those tax tasks started to pile up that I've now implemented that I, you know, generate sales and make the money on Monday and then I can spend it on Friday. So I'm allowed to like go online shopping on Friday. I can, I can spend the money on Friday, but now, right now, I have to focus on bringing the money in on Monday. So I think there's, you know, a couple of things, you know, with, especially when you've got this, like women, we don't tend to draw a heavy line in the sand between our personal and our professional Mm -hmm. to-dos. I don't know about you, but when I write a to-do list, sometimes it has everything on it. Yes. It has, you know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> it has everything from paying my credit card bill to signing up my kids for bike camp to doing the report for my boss and, and everything in between. So I think for me trying to, you know, just section my week off in that way, it kind of helped me create some sort of focus. And during like the the midweek, so like Tuesday to Wednesday is when I also um, took the majority of my calls. So I know I'm an entrepreneur, so I have the ability a little bit better than sometimes other women and people in large organizations to control my calendar. But I use an app called Calendly. Mm -hmm. And last year when my husband said, I asked him, I was like, can I get an executive assistant? He says, no. So I, (laughs) he's also our CFO. Um, and so I have started heavily using Calendly to allow my clients and my team to schedule meetings in my calendar. And I just sectioned off certain days of the week. And that was also a way that I could manage, um, the other, you know, um, the childcare issue and not having my, um, my kids around. And I would also allow for, you know, that meetings to be scheduled during nap times and that type of thing. So for me, the work-life balance, I think I, I refuse to be able to just sort of say that this is, that it's not all a blend. Like it Mm -hmm. just feels to me that so much of it is interrelated Mm -hmm. and I have working from home, we need breaks in our day. So if you have to get up from your desk and go do a load of laundry or go do, you know, the like, load the dishwasher while you're just taking a break, that's okay. I think, you know, there's a lot of things that are good about the pandemic in the mm-hmm. sense that we have had this ability to be home and to create a little bit more of a blended balance between personal and professional being. And I think that's so important to recognize that we don't necessarily have to completely separate them out because just as women, it's not really possible for us oftentimes. And I can completely relate on the to-do list. I feel like a lot of times mine is, you know, it ends up being two or three columns because you're including every single area of your life. And I found during the pandemic, I, um, I haven't split it up into days, although this is something I'm now very strongly considering how I can make that work in my own schedule, but I will often time block. And I found Mm -hmm. that that was a really great boundary for me because being a part of a few organizations outside of work and then having, you know, your day job, but then different aspects of what you do throughout the day, 
I would be working on five different things at once. You see an email pop in and suddenly my brain is thinking, oh, I need to respond to this right now rather than maybe setting aside, okay, in a half hour, I will focus on my inbox. But for now, I really need to work on this particular project or I'll dedicate the time to, I think of them as my extracurriculars, but the organizations you're involved in outside, but really to section off. And I love the idea of actually sectioning off your week. I love Calendly. I think that has been such a game changer for me in on the podcasting side. But you know, I think that also just streamlines things so much more for you. If you can use technology instead of having to go back and forth with well, I'm not free on this day, but I could do this day at this time. Does that work for you? Because I think of how many hours of time that is, you know. It takes an average, I think I read this, it takes an average of six emails to sometimes schedule a meeting. So that's where you're just taking that volume right out when when you're able to just say, there's also an app called Doodle. I don't know if you've used that one yes. before. Yes. Yes, where you can get everybody to chime in on what meeting time works best for them. So yeah, I'm a big fan of these hacks because it it just became a necessity. It it really has. I think especially with the virtual meetings and now that opening up other times of the day that we may be more likely to be able to meet and then being a part of these organizations where everybody has such a different schedule and if it takes 6 emails for maybe two people to schedule a meeting. I can't even imagine for a group of 10 or 20. So I, I absolutely love Doodle for that reason too. But but I love the idea of really utilizing technology because it is something that can kind of take away some of the work for us. We can work smarter and not harder necessarily. Totally. I love that. Now, I'd love to know too, because you are with a professional development organization. There is a lot of professional development in what W North offers. So for those women, we have about, I think, 87% of our audience is female. Those looking to elevate their career trajectory, whether they are in those management positions now and looking to grow to the senior level or maybe emerging and hoping to develop into a leadership role, What are some of those important skills we should have to really help us stand out? Yeah, I love this question. So I I think one of the things that has really bubbled to the surface as a a really important trait in moving into especially more more senior positions is around, you know, thought leadership, executive presence. Uh, public speaking, like any of those skills that, you know, are centered around our confidence. I think, you know, there's this stats uh, statistic that you may have heard that women need 10 items on a a job description. Like they feel like they need to have all 10 things, (laughs) whereas men will sign it, like apply for a job if they have two or three. Mm -hmm. And like it is, it is so true. And I think so building up your confidence. And there are so many ways that you can do this through. I mean, I always, I was horrified by public speaking and getting on stage. And somehow I've now become a conference producer who hosts (laughs) my own conference and does like podcasts and everything. So I think it's just like a practice makes perfect and exposing yourself to things that maybe a little bit more uncomfortable. Toastmasters is a great one. Executive presence is something you can always, you know, there, we do actually, we're doing one, uh, an executive presence workshop through our mastermind membership um, for women of color. So I think those are some of the skills that I see women constantly seeking and the ones that really focus on some of those areas are really thriving right now. So that, that would, that's what I would I would really focus on if you're kind of early in your career or mid-management and you want to get that, to that next level. Those skills, executive presence, public speaking, negotiation, and thought leadership will, will, will bring your resume to the top. I think those are some great skills to have. I think that confidence and that executive presence, that can be a little scary. And I definitely have heard that statistic before. And I've been amazed to see what some of my male colleagues, and not not to throw shade at them, but um, what they may feel qualified for, where I'm thinking, 
oh my gosh, but I don't have this one skill. I've only done this a handful of times. So you actually probably even have the experience in the item on the list, but maybe don't even feel that um, that you're as competent as you could be. And I think I think that's just a wrong way to look at it, especially I, I think so often we we have the skills and we just aren't giving ourselves enough credit for it. You mentioned negotiation as well. And I think that's something when I took a negotiation class in grad school, I tested as someone who was very apprehensive. I think the most apprehensive in my class when it came to negotiation in a, in a mainly male dominated cohort. But I'd love yeah. to know what tips do you have for becoming a better negotiator? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I think that as women, we have we have an empathy superpower. And I think we should use that to our advantage whenever we're in a negotiation setting. Obviously, like traditional male norms will teach us that you have to be kind of somewhat ruthless in negotiation <laughs> and that you can't back down and you can't budge on your position, whatever it may be. But I think that I think one of the utilizing that superpower of empathy and understanding um, and I I wouldn't say it's not in a manipulation perspective, but if you can use that intuition to understand the position of the other person and, and use that to your advantage in terms of the negotiation, I think that's a powerful tool. So as an example, I mean, in just in terms of, let's say a salary negotiation. So if you're, you're able to put yourself in their shoes and figure out what it is that is holding them back from potentially the, the increase in salary that you feel you, are, you deserve, um, but maybe it is a sales objective that needs to be met, or it is a target of a certain number of customers if you're in a, in a sales capacity. So understanding what objectives need to be met and to make that person's life easier, make it an easy yes for them because you're going to tick the box. You're going to make their life easier, and that's where you can get what you want. And I think that women, we have a better intuition and we have a better understanding of doing that digging than sometimes mm-hmm. men can have. So that's an example of of where I think we we can be better negotiators. I think that's such a great point. And that was something I didn't fully understand in negotiation when I started the course. I remember you really thinking that a negotiation meant taking as much as you could from the other side. And it made me feel, you know, because of that empathy, it made me feel kind of gross when going into it. But that's what the traditional norms of male leadership has taught us <laughs> to believe about negotiation, right? Like, I actually think there's like a bit of yuck associated with the word negotiation for that exact reason. Yeah. And it was so funny when we did mock negotiations in class, how differently those negotiations would go when I would negotiate with a a female classmate. And the the guys would kind of laugh because we would come to these very creative solutions that kind of benefited both sides. The win-win-win. Yes, Yes. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was in beverage alcohol sales. I was a wine sales rep. And I was also in beer sales. And so in beer sales, I worked with a lot of men who were selling into the same companies and the same stores. And then wine sales, there was a lot more women. And I just, just exactly how you painted it there. Women are collaborators. Women are, they, they have more of a, a bit of a, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, mutual beneficial, win, win, win. That's definitely how women tend to operate and men are, I'm, I'm making vast assumptions and generalizations. So I'll just caveat that. But when you look at some of the traditional ways and the, and the more of the norms for male oriented neg- negotiation, that is some of the trends that they have seen. So it's, yeah, it's really interesting. Absolutely. I, I think a lot of the men could really learn from watching women negotiate for sure. Yeah, Totally. Well, I love all of that. I think these are all skills that, you know, I can continue to work on. I think that they're definitely accessible for all of us. And I think I think everybody could work to improve that confidence. And I think that confidence goes into everything that we do, including the negotiation. I would love to switch gears a little bit and ask you just a few of our rapid fire questions so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Sounds great. 
Perfect. What is your top wellness tip? My top wellness tip is water. So I love to drink water. I have water, like huge water bottles and lots of them like throughout the house in the car. And I, you know, sometimes I'm not, um, you know, I'm on the run and I, I, I don't know, like I maybe I'm a bit late for a meal or whatnot. And I just, I just pound water. So that, that's my number one tip drink water. (laughs) That's great advice. Um, I wish, I wish I took that advice last week being outside in the Florida heat. Oh my gosh. But I feel like you can never drink enough of it. Yeah, exactly. Now, where's your favorite travel destination? My favorite is Kauai, the Island Mm -hmm. of Kauai in Hawaii. We go there pre-pandemic twice a year. And so it's my happy place. What do you do there? What do I do? We just, we take the kids to the beach and we just let them roam. We just let them them run free. Um, I love, I just love watching the sunsets. There's just something special about a Hawaiian sunset. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to get out there. Yeah. If you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? Oh, I struggled with this question. (laughs) So I, oh gosh, I, I didn't know what to, okay, I might have to come back to that one. Bring me back to that one. Okay. Um, if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? I would like to learn and improve my French. So it's a dream of mine to go and spend a bit more time in France and maybe live there one day or just for a few months. And so learning French would be that skill. That would be amazing. And it's a beautiful country. Mm-hmm. And what's next for you on your bucket list? I would like to go with my husband and probably just my husband, maybe not my kids, um, <laughs> sailing in the British Virgin Islands. Ooh, that sounds lovely. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you a bonus question. Tell me a little bit about what there is to do in Whistler. Oh, yes. So I've lived in Whistler for 17 years and what it's just been amazing to actually the pandemic has been amazing because I have focused on really doing all the things that I maybe hadn't had time to do before. So I'm a big snowboarder. So I, I spend at least one day a week going up. I tend to work a little bit on Saturdays so I can ski midweek. But there's also so many great hikes to do and my absolute favorite, and I bought myself a paddleboard for my, um, for my birthday last year. It was my pandemic birthday present and it was the best present I've ever bought for myself because I had a one and a half year old and a four and a half year old and I never got to do anything by myself. (laughs) And it, it's, it's really, truly like you can, you can, if you have a lake anywhere near you, you can go on a paddleboard. And I think what's really awesome about it is just for me, it was my, my me time. I didn't take my kids. It was like my space. It was my quiet. I often didn't bring my phone. And so it created this automatic disconnect from the rest of the world to give me myself the space that I needed for to, to sort of have a moment. That's amazing. I, I really feel like nature can do that for you. And obviously British Columbia, I mean, there is quite a bit of beautiful nature to, to see there. I know it, it's definitely on my bucket list to get out to, to Whistler and to more of British Columbia. I've, I've been to Victoria and it was absolutely beautiful. And one of, one of those places I was like, I can see myself living here. You'll have to come visit me, Whistler. I would love to see you. Absolutely. I would love that. And I think now that the borders are finally opening back up, hopefully, hopefully soon I can travel again. That uh, British Columbia is 100% on my list. Well, Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing more with us today. Tell us a little bit about what you're offering with W North and how listeners can connect. Yeah. So they can connect with us on Instagram. We are at W North Connect. 
And we are, our website is wnorthconnect.com. And what we're, what we're really excited about is we've just reopened our membership. Uh, we've had it closed for several months. And as we emerge into in-person events, we are um, starting up member meetups in many of our cities. So, um, and we're adding more and more cities uh, every month. So if you are interested in connected, connecting with like-minded women, virtually or in person. And then we also have our conference, which will be returning in 2022 in Whistler. So yeah, there's lots going on. Um, the membership is, a, is, uh, is reopened and really excited to welcome more women to the community. That's amazing. I will definitely link that in the show notes so that listeners can get involved. And it just sounds like you all have such amazing things going on right now. But thank you so much for coming on and for sharing with us today. Thanks for having me, Valerie. I can't wait to see you in Whistler soon. It was such a delight to chat with Heather and to learn more about her and W North. There are a lot of challenges women are facing in the workforce right now that I don't think we're talking about enough. And I loved Heather's suggestions for creating more of a balance for working mothers and for others who need that flexibility in their workday. I love using technology to make my life easier. I actually use Calendly that she mentioned to schedule podcast interviews, and I'll definitely be looking into structuring my week with Heather's Days of the Week method that she talked about. I really think that's a great way to kind of create some boundaries and organize your week a little bit better. So I have linked all of the resources Heather mentioned in the show notes, along with ways to get involved with W North. Be sure to check it out. W North has some amazing offerings. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in, for being part of the Wellness and Wanderlust community. Thank you for sharing your day with me. If you have a topic or a guest you'd like to see in a future episode, don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram at Wellness and Wanderlust blog or by email at Valerie at Wellness and One of the best ways you can lend your support to the show is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in from so that others can find the show better. It takes just a few moments to do this and it really does make a difference. You hear it every week, but I would love to get your feedback. I hope you all have a wonderful day. I can't wait to see you next week.